Oh, um, this afternoon I'd like to offer some reflections on uh, metta, loving kindness. M-E-T-T-A, the word from the language of the, close to the language the Buddha probably used, metta. And um, uh, I'd really like to encourage you to um, listen really from that place of presence, sense of steadiness and whatever of that there is around and really to listen with uh, your your whole body in a way it's a different kind of listening maybe it's like how can I listen with my whole body my ears are in my head <laughs> so it's a sort of different kind of listening maybe where we're not so much focusing on you know right what exactly does that mean and I agree with that bit and I disagree with you know disagree with that part and it's something about allowing allowing the words to kind of flow through really kind of focusing more on your own presence as you listen and by doing that what we do is we are more available and sensitive to what it is from the talk that we need to hear and that we actually notice as we listen sort of what what happens what's you know when we get a bit stirred up or when we kind of drift off or when something really touches and resonates with us we, go, Ooh. we notice a particular word And so I encourage you to listen in this way so that whatever from the talk may really be of benefit to you can actually reach you and touch you and kind of go in. And the rest of it just, in a way, it can just flow by, can just flow through, kind of trusting that what's really needed will be received. So I encourage you to listen in that way if you if you wish. So first of all I'd just like to really explore a bit this notion of, of kindness or metta, loving kindness. And as I perhaps go through some, some different facets or aspects of that, again really noticing just sort of particularly what you kind of recognize or also sometimes, you know, feels uncomfortable as well. It's really sometimes something in a talk can just like, ooh, ouch, you know, in some way. So just noticing that too. And then the second part, I'll talk a bit more about how, how we can practice 
you know, how how can kindness and as well as being a just a sort of a, a natural capacity of a human being, you know, it's just there, and, and, and in a way, you know, that the meditation sort of naturally brings that out. But also, we can, and very much are encouraged to, in the teachings, we're encouraged to really incline our mind towards that. It's quite interesting. It, it, it's, it's really quite. Um, yeah, it's like a quite active encouragement towards that. Um, do you need some more, some water? No, no, do stay, do stay. But it, it's up to you. <coughs> I know how it is with coughing. You can't. This uh, basic definition of metta, that it's a concern for the welfare of beings. You could say a concern for the welfare of that which lives. You could extend that and say it's a concern for the welfare of everything. And perhaps a lot of our practice is, is almost to allow allow that concern to manifest, you know, to actually be carried, be carried out, be expressed through our our thoughts and words and deeds. And um, that maybe part of the naturalness of this kind of this kindness, that the sort of in a way unconstructed nature of it, some some way is that feels like an appropriate and creative response actually can happen when. The, the intention or the concern actually meets what is. Yeah. So here's where it really meets the mindfulness practice that we've been doing all day. That actually it's the sensitivity, it's our willingness to be really present with ourselves, with others in all the different situations in our life. That to actually cultivate that ability to be present that is really you know kind of the basis that the it's like we it's like you can't be kind without that can you well some of you think about it, it's like this 
actually, can you be, <coughs> can you be kind if you're not present? <laughs> you could you know, theoretically be kind, or you could plan some kindness in the future, or you could think of how you should have been kind in the past. <laughs> but, you know, I think this is so, this is so important. It's, it's like, actually... It's that sensitivity and 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 uh, presence, and, and and it makes us available. And then sometimes, isn't it? It's actually again the courage, the courage, finding the courage to to allow or to choose the kind response, and not underestimating that, because sometimes it's really, really hard, isn't it? I mean, it's for me. Wow, you know, this is our training. I could say this is another way of understanding our training, that we're strengthening our capacity to actually, you know, if we have if we have that basic interest and intention towards kindness, that we're strengthening our capacity to actually be able to act on that. You know? Because sometimes it's not so easy. <coughs> the way the way maybe we have patterns of harshness towards ourselves. Patterns of, of abandoning ourselves, and and it can be really hard to see that you know, the amount of judgment and kind of rejection and even punishment we can inflict upon ourselves, and it's like wow, that can be oof. And sometimes when we begin to really practice with <coughs> kindness, really incline and tune into kindness, it can be quite oof, be quite difficult because we start to realize the amount of harshness that's there. Or towards other people, like you start generating kind thoughts towards people and you realise how much critical thought is going on in your head about everyone, you know, and everything. Well, why did they do that? Why did that person do that? It's like, wow, you didn't even know that was going on before. You think, goodness me, this meta practice is a bit dodgy. <laughs> it's like making me this really horrible person. <laughs> but actually, it's just that we're seeing more. We're seeing more. So, again, this is part of the challenge and the kind of... Oh, yeah, that, that when we incline towards mindfulness, maybe we see how mindless we are a lot of the time. You know, when we're just like, we're really not, we don't know where we are, we're just like out there floating ways. <coughs> and when we incline our minds, we become interested in, in, in kindness. It's like, ooh, ouch, you know. We see and sense it more in other people, you know, their harshness towards themselves or towards others. And, you know, so it can be, you have to be very gentle with this. And then that sense of sort of expanding our capacity for that and not pushing, not, not demanding. So perhaps it's obvious, I don't know if it's obvious to you, but that kindness has everything to do with happiness. The kind of happiness that the Buddha is talking about, particularly, but who... And if you think about it, when I thought about this, I, I kind of felt like when, when there's kindness, there tends to be happiness as well. Something for you to sort of explore, investigate for yourself. But that's really interesting. And also how when you feel happy, you know, when you feel okay, just okay in yourself, it's so much, it's so much easier to be kind, isn't it? You know, when you're feeling really grumpy and fed up and it's like, it's the light and it's like, go away. You know, so this sense of how they, they, they work together. 
and that by nourishing our own sense of well-being and a sense of inner happiness that can come through meditation, now we're really, as well, it's like another foundation for sort of being able to be more kind. You now because we have more within us and we feel, you know, we have that sort of refuge place and we have that sort of inner resource. So Reb Anderson said, um, a state of mind is not stable, but a loving attitude can be. So, <laughs> I, again, I, I see, I, sometimes I listen to that, quite, I, 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 I hear that and I, I feel it as a challenge or a kind of something to aspire to. It's like, wow, yeah, I get it. The mind states change. So even a loving mind state, you know, f- feeling nice and kind, that's nice. But it's not always going to be like that, is it? You know, we, we can't always expect ourselves to act kindly and, and really feel warm and fluffy about it. You know, sometimes we feel quite, quite the opposite. But we do the kindness anyway because somehow it's... We, we know it's sort of that's what that's what's being called forth from us. But what I love about that quote is like, oh yeah, that sounds possible. I could really aspire to the cultivation of, of a loving attitude in all circumstances. Wow. What would that what would that do to your life? I think that's to me that's very radical. That's that's very Profound that, and that that I sense the possibility of that. Certainly, don't achieve that. But you know, it can something like that can help me in the moments when it gets difficult, where I think, okay, what well, you know, here I am, you know, steam coming out out my ears about something. <laughs> what would a loving attitude be here when I'm really angry about something? I'm really frightened about something, you know. And and I think that that's. That's so possible to sort of ask to sort of ask that question. Not not in order to, you know, make it all suddenly okay. But again it's the way we can begin to learn through the mindfulness, through the through the, the, the kind intention to relate differently to our life, that we begin to realise we can relate in a way to everything. We don't have to feel so governed by, you know, possessed by, you know, I am angry. It's like, so we really genuinely, even in the intimate experience of that anger, we begin to realize it's something we can relate to. It is not who we are. That's not the whole of our experience. That, that we can, again, strengthen that capacity to recognize that, not to judge it, not to push it away, not to act out, but to find that kind of middle way where we feel our feelings, and we know, we learn how to hold that and handle it so that it does not bring more harm into the world. And it does not harm us, it does not harm others. And there's great, you know, there's great skillfulness in, the, in there to be learned. So maybe sometimes, you know, the kindness, it can feel very very warm and, and very well-wishing and sometimes maybe it's just I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I 
feel like saying that. They probably really need to have that said to them, but it's sometimes like, hmm, that push, you know, that push of something that wants to... Even if it's something that might be skillful to say to somebody, likelihood is the effects will be more beneficial if you say it when you're not angry. Yeah, if that makes sense. But it's, you know, again, it's this kind of delicate thing because there's a lot of energy in the anger and it's like we don't want to get rid of that. We want to be able to channel that and use, in a way, use that creatively, use that for being able to be assertive, to be able to say the difficult things to be able to communicate clearly, but somehow learning to kind of clean that energy out from the ill will and the hostility. I mean, another area that I think that metta has really, really helped me with is fear, fear and anxiety. When the Buddha first taught metta, the stories, the monks, he sent the monks to practice in the forest, and they'll come back and they're just really scared, you know, and they said, but we can't practice, it's all these weird noises and the animals are going to get us and the evil spirits are going to get us. And so, and so the Buddha gives them metta practice, which we'll do later, by the way, well, the last sitting of the day will be metta practice. And so the story is they will go back into the forest and they, they practice the metta and, it's, and it works. And all the animals and the, and the spirits get really tame and start padding around quietly so the monks can meditate and and the evil spirits get really protective of the monks. It's just a story. But actually, in my experience, that when I, I, I can bring metta to that, those, you know, feelings of anxiety, the fear, you know, about all kinds of things, isn't it? But we come right directly to that fear, that, that really visceral, the felt experience of it, and we have the courage to kind of open up to really feeling that. Then we can bring the metta, we can bring the kindness to that, and we can discover that not only can that be actually held and met and seen more clearly and, and born with, but actually there's a way that by holding that in the presence of kindness... It can actually, it's like the anxiety, the fear starts to feel that kindness. And it starts, it can relax. It realizes there's somewhere else to go. Something else there that's not that. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's how, it's kind of how I experience it sometimes. And something you can really explore in the meditation practice. So metta practice has enormous power and enormous, the power of kindness So we see at so many levels, you know, in our life that are the kindness others have given to us and shown to us and just, yeah, just how, how important that is. Um, but also in our own inner, in our own inner world, like being able to find ways where that actually, we, it's, it's part of how we start to kind of heal and you know, be able to let go sometimes of of resentments. I mean, and this is the, you know, hostility in the present and those resentments from the past. You know, those things that are held tight, close in the mind, in the heart, in the body. You just can't let go. You can't forgive. You can't, it's just, you know, you keep meeting, bumping into that. It's like, mm, no, but, you know, I can't. And the metta can come and meet that actual experience, not, not you know, the thoughts about it, but the real, you know, how it kind of lives in you, you know, like a, a lump in there, and you can bring the metta, the kindness to that, and again, the same thing, it can begin to relax and open, 
and that without any degree of condoning of any harm, harmful actions in the past that someone might have done or that we might have done, we can, we see there's a way of that that can be, that can be let go, that can be released. And so the metta, this can, can really bring a lot of healing. But again, you know, it's, it's very, we have to be very gentle. There's no demand, there's no pushing, because if we use the metta, if we use the idea, well, I've got to be kind, I've got to let go, I've got to forgive, it's like, oh. you know, there it, you can hear it, can't you? Something creeping in there that's not so kind about demand and expectation, and, you know, well, by next week you should have forgiven, or say, hmm, or, no, 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 this, this is a kind of practice that requires all of our patience, in a way, to give something all the time in the world. It's ironic, isn't it? It's like give something all the time and all the space it needs. It's like, you know, not according to our agenda, our schedule. Pema Chodron said that metta is unconditional friendship with ourselves. So this is not me doing it. This is really important because of course I can't offer myself unconditional friendship. (laughs) I, no. (laughs) But metta can. That quality of heart, if we can begin to connect with that and see it as something in a way not so personal, not about me and I, but almost like a quality, a capacity we can tune into you know we see it in other people and we can oh yeah and we can let that evoke it in our in ourselves you know different ways that we can connect with that and allow it to develop and grow and then its power grows and grows and it's also it it, it has this sort of it can have this boundless immeasurable and potentially unconditional quality and again, it's not something to sort of believe, but just to hear the potential the, in that, if that speaks to you, may not. Um, Sharon Salzberg said, Meta sees that our integrity is inviolate, no matter what our life situation is. We feel neither betrayed by pain nor overcome by it. And thus we can contact that which is undamaged within us, regardless of the situation. So, that which is undamaged within us. That's something that, for each of us, feel it's a real possibility for us to, each of us to, to discover that. Um, so, as I think I've been trying to say, no metta is kindness, is loving kindness. It's not. It's not another should. No, it's, it's not another. <coughs> sort of thing to put on the list of things to do and, and 
know, these images of, 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 oh, I've got to be a kind person and all of this, but it's, it's more like, again, this moment-to-moment sensitivity and willingness to meet, to meet what is, to meet what's happening with that kind intention. And I think that's, to me, hugely important because I know I can get terribly caught up in thinking, other people are so nice, you know, and they're so kind, and look at me, you know, ooh. <laughs> so critical and grumpy and you know full of full of all of that I don't qualify you know it's really not the case maybe partly why I'm so maybe for anybody who's so interested in metta because in a way there's such a need for it you know and I know for me it's taken me many years and the process continues for me to really understand this I can remember sit, sitting on a week-long meta retreat some years ago, just sitting there going, what the you know, hell are we doing? I don't understand this. This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> really struggling hard with it, but thinking, yeah, but I like the teacher. I must know what they're talking about. And so I'm going to keep going. And so, you know, letting it be a process of exploration for you. Hopefully you'll be a quicker learner than I was. I don't know. Maybe being a slow learner is okay too. So we can really look and see, you know, be honest with ourselves. I was also thinking, you know, that bit where you are sort of trying to be kind or you kind of trying to look like you're being kind and actually (laughs) what's really going on underneath, kind of, is that really coming from? Not like I was saying earlier where you do the kind action because it's the thing to do, but this is more like, you know, and I, I mean, I'm saying, you know, I was looking into my own experience. I'm trying to look good. Like me. Um, accept me. Uh, I'm really, I'm great. Aren't I, you know? Or, oh, I'm really a bad person, so I've got to try extra good to be, to, to, be, to be nice. It's coming from fear. So to really, I think it's really interesting for me to be able to look into that level without judgment. Now I call it honesty without blame. Honesty without blame. So we can actually see in a way for ourselves in our own minds what gets in the way, you could say, of true kindness. And be really honest about it. And have a sense of humour about it. And say, well, you know... This is just being a human being. Like every, everybody's like this. We're all this kind of mixture. And like Pema Chodron also talks about looking in the mirror and seeing a gorilla, you know, which is a bit of a disc on gorillas, I suppose. But um, I think you know what she's trying to say. It's like, it doesn't always look so, you know. And we know. Other people don't always know. So again, not for judgment, but for honesty. And in order for, in order for those patterns, in a way, to be released... Uh, we we can um, come out of that. Um, so I've already mentioned we'll do some some meta practice later where we repeat phrases to help us get, sort of incline our minds in this way. And also I've been mentioning how this this mindfulness practice is such a key sort of basis, isn't it for any kind of um, kind of for the possibility of any kind of wholesome kind intention to actually be able to you know 
bear fruit. Little story, I was on the tube, this is a while ago, but it seemed like, it seems like such a good example of this. I was on the, on the tube in London, there was a little child in a pushchair, little, you know, two, three-year-old kicking his feet and, and bashed it against the, the, some metal bit on the pushchair and, and, and broke the skin on his heel. So it was quite, you know, obviously hurt and started to bleed a little bit. So his mum was trying to, you know, and I was like, oh dear, you know, concern. Oh, um, and then I realised I had some plasters in my purse. So I got my purse out, got the plaster out and gave, gave it to the mum. And, you know, so simple. And so she put it on the child's heel. And, you know, there's so many opportunities for that, aren't there, if, we, if we're sort of present, if we're, if we're there. And it connects up something that where we're actually available, something we can offer. No, no we can't always offer. We can't always, you know, so again, it's, it's sort of having wisdom with this, not thinking, I should but actually what's possible, given my resources, my, given my state of health or mind, or, you know. Um, and another, another example, um, I think in terms of practicing this, act, act, try experiment acting and speaking from kindness and see what happens. <laughs> experiment. And... Um, one lovely way of doing this is with generosity, giving, giving things away, or you know, just all different kinds. And again, just a very little story of something I did a while ago, um, where I uh, had sort of fun with it. And I was at the Royal Festival Hall in London, and and I was pondering and reflecting and thinking, oh, I be lovely to go to a concert. And thinking, oh, I can't go to a concert tonight. I've got to go, you know, somewhere else. Oh, oh, it's so great! Such a great place. I'd like to support her. Maybe I could somebody else. So who can I ring up so I can give them a ticket to go to the concert? No, I've got them. And then I thought, I know, I'll buy a ticket for someone and leave it at the desk. <laughs> I still get. I still. It feels good. Think I, I enjoy remembering this, which is another skillful. You know, remembering good things we've done. So I did it, and the people at the desk thought I was completely mad. Yeah, so I asked the first person, he said, what? So I said it again, and he went, oh, um, and then I'll ask my supervisor. <laughs> so he asked his supervisor, and she went, what? <laughs> I said it again, and she says, oh, yeah, all right. Um, so I ended up buying the ticket and, um, and left it at the desk. And, and actually, in that case, I didn't stay to see the results in terms of another person, but I did get to see the results here. So just a little example, again, of, of sort of certain sense of playfulness that we can bring into this, sort of creativity with that. Again, what's possible for us and, yeah, that sort of connection with the circumstances. So one other way of practising I'd just like to mention um, which I've already touched on, is the power of questions in this regard. Um, again, I think part of the power of a question is that it actually connects our deeper intention with the actuality. So, 
to actually almost train in being able to ask or create, find your own question, but give you three that I use. One is, what is really going on here? So, what is really going on? And then, what does this need? What does this need? And I think one of the power, one of the powers of, of these kind of questions is it can help to interrupt our reactivity and our impulsivity. It's like, you know, something's happening. And you can always use the question to kind of, oh, you know, wait a minute. Okay, you know, it's just... And it just can create a space. And sometimes that's all kindness needs. It just needs a microsecond of space. And then something can, something, some different response can come. And the question I asked earlier... What would kindness look like here? Now, what would it look like here? So that we're also training ourselves in that response, in that kind of responsiveness. So we're not just bringing a set of, you know, ideas, but we're really open to the conditions as they shift and change and sort of trying to see freshly and give ourselves the opportunity to to respond but with all of this i i really hope that i mean i know i kind of partly saying this for myself i think it's like not to let it become another way to give yourself a really hard time it's like it's you know of of, of pressure and shoulds and because we we grow slowly. I think maybe we're like plants, really, you know. We have to gently, 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 you know. And hopefully the meta practice that we'll do a bit later will show you sort of, again, this is one way we can, in a practical way, help ourselves um, foster that process. And, you know, then we fall off the wagon, we get back on. So we need a lot of persistence and patience, but we also need a sense, I think, of the capacity to get really simple. So again, like we've been starting off our meditations, just before I finish with a poem, I just want to invite you to just spend a, a few moments sitting quietly and going to that space of real... Just sitting here, feeling however you're feeling right now, letting the reverberations from the talk, my words, your thoughts and feelings, the sounds of the birds, and just seeing if you can just spend a few moments really just sitting here quietly and meeting meeting your experience with kindness just just letting it be as it is
be having that sense of a very spacious, compassionate awareness that we can sit in, feel held by, just as we are right now. So I'd like to close with a poem called Kindness by Naomi Shihab Nye. Before you know what kindness really is, you must lose things. Feel the future dissolve in a moment like salt in a weakened broth. What you held in your hand, what you counted and carefully saved, all this must go, so you know how desolate the landscape can be between the regions of kindness. How you ride and ride, thinking the bus will never stop, The passengers, eating maize and chicken, will stare out the window forever. Before you learn the tender gravity of kindness, you must travel where the Indian in a white poncho lies dead by the side of the road. You must see how this could be you how he too was someone who journeyed through the night with plans and the simple breath that kept him alive. Before you know kindness as the deepest thing inside, you must know sorrow as the other deepest thing. You must wake up with sorrow You must speak to it till your voice catches the thread of all sorrows and you see the size of the cloth. Then it is only kindness that makes sense anymore. 
Only kindness that ties your shoes and sends you out into the day to mail letters and purchase bread. Only kindness that raises its head from the crowd of the world to say it is I you have been looking for and then goes with you everywhere like a shadow or a friend. May all beings be touched by kindness. May all beings find peace. And may all beings live with joy and compassion. <laughs> 